Good morning and happy Thursday, everybody. Today in our Bible reading plan here at First Baptist Church in Rock Hill, we are in Ezra chapter 4. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, I want to begin by saying, for those of you who really pay attention to details <clears throat> and, and you like for things to be sequential and in order, this can be a frustrating chapter because it's not written that way. Um, chapter four of Ezra is written in a very broad summary manner, and it summarizes 100 years of events. And, and the theme in this chapter is the opposition of the people, the groups, the nations that surrounded Judea or Judah and uh, their opposition to the Jews who had returned from exile and were rebuilding Jerusalem and rebuilding the temple. And so this is a summary chapter. You have more specific stories in chapter 5 and following. But this, this is a sum, summation, if you will, <clears throat> of those 100 years. And, and, and so if you were trying to read this, you know, like we like here in the West, we like to think chronologically. Uh, this, and then this, and then this, and then this, and then this, in the in order. Well, that's not how this chapter is written. So just to, to help you as you read through it, uh, the first three verses, um, uh, the, um, the, the surrounding nations, if you will, the peoples the, who are really enemies of the Jews, <clears throat> come to the leaders of the Jews and ask if they can help them in rebuilding the city and the temple. And the leaders of Judaism say, no, and we don't have time to go into all of that. It was the right decision on their part uh, because they were going to try to slow them down. And then uh, in verses 4 and 5, um, it mentions the opposition that they faced. And kind of a summary statement in those two verses, all the way from the days of Cyrus, the king of Persia, who was the one that conquered Babylon and allowed the Jews to return home and begin rebuilding the city and the temple down to the to the time of Darius, who was king. And, and so um, uh, Cyrus let the Jews return home about 536 B.C., 37, somewhere through there. And Darius was king 522 to 486. So there's this, there's this, it covers a period of, you know, of... Uh, you know, two to four decades just in those two verses. And then it goes on down to uh, Ahasuerus in verse 6, which is known in, by the Persian records as Xerxes. So you're, you're jump, jumping down to, to 485 to 465 B.C. And he was the king, remember, when the story of Esther takes place that we read just a, a, a few weeks ago. And so it's covering this broad period of time. And what it's trying to say is through all of these different Persian kings, there were people who opposed the Jewish people. And, and when you read Esther and you read Ezra and, other, and, and, and Zechariah and Haggai, who were prophets during the early years of all this, um, this opposition was from the people who were in the nation surrounding Judah but also uh, their connections back in Persia, in the capitals uh, of, of, the, of the empire. Um, in verse 7, you have a very specific opposition mentioned, a letter that was written uh, to Xerxes, or, or, or to Artaxerxes, rather. And then uh, that letter is detailed. Um, and Artaxerxes was, was king 465 to 424. So... 
a hundred years after Cyrus. Now, when you get to the end of the chapter, verse 24, that's not referring to the opposition during the days of Artaxerxes. That's referring to the opposition during the days of King Darius. Um, and you'll get, you get that explained in detail in chapters five and six. So, Again, those of you who like for things to be in order and easy to understand and, and sequential, chapter four can be very, very confusing. So it's like they're giving you this overview. They, for over a century, they faced opposition. And in the midst of that overview, well, here's a, a couple, two or three specific examples. And so you really have to be careful to, to track with the details. So that's kind of a, a summary overview of this chapter. Now, devotionally. Um, what's, what spoke to you? What spoke to me? What spoke to me is the idea is that God's work can be, it's not always, but can be and often is, opposed, hindered, um, attacked, slowed down, put on pause, but never ultimately stopped. Enemies will often do what they can to discourage us. They did the Jewish people uh, when they got back to Jerusalem. In verse 4, the people of the land discouraged the people of Judah and frightened them from building. So enemies of God who become enemies of God's people and God's work, they'll try to discourage you. If that doesn't work, they'll try to intimidate you. And in our modern culture, we've got a lot of the latter, the intimidation taking place. They will, another tactic, they will, they will conspire sometimes to defeat you, to stop you. They will even plot and scheme to defeat you. Look at verse 5. They hired these opponents, they hired counselors against them, the Jews, to frustrate their counsel all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even to the reign of Darius king of Persia for the next three, four decades, they actually paid bureaucrats and others back in the capital uh, to, to hinder the work of the Jews rebuilding Jerusalem and rebuilding the temple. And actually, at one point, they succeeded because there was about 15 years when no work was done on the temple after they laid the foundation, about 15 years before they actually did more than that. And so sometimes the enemies of God, will, 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 they will conspire. They will scheme. They will work together um, to stop God's work. A third thing is that they will sometimes use our past against us. Uh, when they wrote this letter to King Artaxerxes, which was way in the, 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 the future, this was after the temple actually had been finished, uh, even though we're not told that in this chapter, because uh, Artaxerxes was king 465 to 424, and they finished building the temple in 515 B.C. So you're talking decades after the temple was built, but you're jumping ahead now more to the time of Nehemiah when they had not finished rebuilding the walls around uh, Jerusalem. So they write this letter uh, to stop that. So opposition continued for over a century to rebuilding the city, to rebuilding the temple, to rebuilding the walls. And in this letter, they mention in verses 13, 15, and 19 uh, that the Jewish people had a history of rebellion. 
And they, they said to King Artaxerxes, check your records there in the capital, and you'll find that in the past, the ancestors of these Jewish people, uh, when they were a strong nation, uh, they rebelled against Babylon, and that's the reason the city was destroyed. You can't trust them, and so therefore don't let them rebuild these walls. They're doing that to prepare to, to rebel against Persia. And, uh, and what they had said was, at least what they had said about the truth, the past was true. And so there are times when the enemies of God and his people and his purposes will use our past, good or bad, our mistakes, use our past, and throw it in our face to keep us from moving forward with God today. Um, when I was reading this and thinking about all this, I thought of what Peter said. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse, verse 8, he said, Be sober. Be of sober spirit. Be serious in your spirit. Be on the alert. And then he said, Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion uh, looking for someone to devour. Paul talks about we are not ignorant of his schemes, of his devices. <clears throat> and Satan <clears throat> is behind those who oppose God and his people and his work. Even if they don't know, Satan is behind what they're doing. But he schemes. And today, I'm convinced Satan is scheming and using many people to hurt our children and teenagers and college students with um, uh, all the stuff that's going on with, with sexual identity and homosexuality, um, the, the, the idea that science and faith are in conflict, which they're really not, uh, but, but the people who, who make it such. Um, and Satan and his tactics are vicious because his goal is to destroy the faith of young people to destroy the ethics of young people, and if need be, to destroy the very life of a young person. He is vicious. But here's the takeaway from all of this. While Satan schemes and he attacks, he will win some battles. He did. For instance, the, the building of the temple will stop for 15 years. He will win some battles, but he never wins the war. Because eventually the temple was built. And even though he schemed to stop them from rebuilding the walls in the days of Nehemiah that we'll read about in, a, in, 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 in the near future, eventually the wall was rebuilt. And then over the years it was expanded in the Romans in you know, A.D. 66 and to 70 during that war, centuries later, had to knock down that wall when they attacked Jerusalem. So Satan will win some battles, but he always loses the war. Now, the tragedy is that in winning some of those battles, some lives are lost. Some lives are ruined. But he will never win the war. God does, which means we do. So don't be moved from your faith. and Don't be intimidated. Instead, be strong. Because your enemy and his supporters, the Bible tells us in Revelation, will one day be cast into the lake of fire for eternity. 
He may win a battle, but he will always lose the war. Hey, God bless you, and I'll see you tomorrow.